Hey, podcast fam, Eric here. And if you're an affiliate marketer or looking to monetize your online presence, you need to know about ShareASale.com. ShareASale is not just an affiliate network. It's your gateway to a world of opportunities. With thousands of high-paying affiliate programs across various niches, ShareASale connects you with top brands ready to collaborate with content creators like you. Imagine earning commissions for simply sharing products you love. Whether you're into fashion, tech, or lifestyle, Share Us Sale has got a partnership waiting for you. Ready to turn your passion into profits? Head over to milwaukeemafia.com slash shareasale and sign up today. It's free, it's easy, and and it's your ticket to unlocking a new revenue stream for your business. You're listening to Milwaukee Mafia, your weekly podcast dose of Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history. Welcome back to another episode of the Milwaukee Mafia Podcast. I'm Eric Waltergens. I'm Gavin Schmidt. And Gavin, got anything for us today? Or? I do. <laughs> Thank God. I do have something. <laughs> do you remember at the end of the last time I said we were going to talk about the Terrible Jenna Brothers? The Terrible Jenna Brothers? Yep. So remind us about the Terrible Jenna Brothers. Well, there's not really a reminding. I didn't. We didn't say who they were last oh, time. Oh, we didn't? I thought we went into a little synopsis no, of them. No, Sorry. No, we're going to cover them. Not super thoroughly here, but a little bit. Uh, in the book, the Milwaukee Mafia book, part of what I'm going to say today appears in there. Most of this does not, because this is actually more Chicago than Milwaukee. So um, most of it's not in the book. I wanted to go into a little more on these guys and they actually are going to come up a little bit not a whole lot but a little bit next week too so it's nice so next week when i say hey remember the jenner brothers you can be like oh yeah the jenner brothers i do remember this now and we did talk a little bit about them the jenner brothers were from the chicago mafia and they came up and they stayed in milwaukee for a period of time and that's what this story is going to be about right yeah sort of yes okay (laughs) i mean that's not wrong so okay (laughs) okay the Jenner brothers uh, were Sicilian brothers who lived in the Taylor Street area of Chicago. Taylor Street was also known as Little Sicily. That was kind of like Chicago's version of the Third Ward in Milwaukee. The brothers were James, Peter, Sam, Tony, Angelo, and Mike. Mike being known as Mike the Devil. Mike the Devil. Mike the Devil. Always a good nickname to have. <laughs> uh, Peter ran a bar. James ran a cafe, which also served alcohol. Sam ran a pool hall, which was also the headquarters for the gang. All the locations of these places are now roughly where the University of Illinois is, kind of where I-90 meets I-290, if anybody knows where that is. <laughs> not, well, I mean, I know where it is. But I was going to say, for anybody who's not familiar with Chicago, I'm using the highway, <laughs> so maybe it's a little easier to, to do that. Do it. Do, do the buildings that they were operating out of still exist, or is it literally uh, just the campus of... I highly the... doubt that any of these buildings are still standing, okay. because we're th- we're still back in like the 1920s right yeah, now, so and, and yeah, this is before like all the freeways and stuff, so things have just been gutted. Mm-hmm. So I highly doubt anything is still standing. So some of the brothers lived together on West Taylor Street. Um, living with them was the Spingola family who will come up in the story. Um, Angelo, who was kind of the head of the Jenna brothers, he lived by himself. He lived at the Belmont Hotel, so he was fancy. When they first arrived, they set up a cheese and olive oil distribution company, which was uh, actually a pretty common business to set up because a lot of things, like, yeah, now, you know, 
mozzarella cheese, olive oil, other things like that. Like you can get them anywhere, but back then you really couldn't. They were like a high end item. Yeah, kind of. Well, I don't even know if they were high end, but if you if you were like, man, remember back in Sicily when we used to eat mozzarella cheese and and have olive oil on our food, like that'd be really cool to have. So they could make a big deal out of importing it. Whereas most Americans didn't care, you know, they were eating, yeah. you know. So it, was, it wasn't so much a high-end item, it was a niche item. Probably, yeah. That Probably. really the Italians mostly just want it. And... Yeah, I mean, like, keep in mind, like, like pizza, like, pizza's everywhere right now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, people eat pizza once a week. Some people eat it more than once a week. But, like, yeah, it didn't really take off till the 1950s outside oh, of... That, that's kind of crazy to think yeah. about. A world without pizza. We learn something new every day. Well, and, of course, so once Prohibition comes, they kind of switch gears, of course. They were known as the kings of corn sugar alcohol. Apparently, I don't know if this is true, but apparently they got a federal license to make industrial alcohol. Because you could still make alcohol during Prohibition. There were a number of reasons that you needed to have alcohol for different things apparently they had a license and of course what do you do you then take that industrial alcohol and turn it into drinkable alcohol which has you know sometimes it works and sometimes it's disgusting i'm gonna guess more often than not it was not good in the flavor department probably not so they would hire a lot of uh, a lot of local immigrants and they'd pay them very high fees to have stills operating out of their apartments uh, sometimes they were paid as much as $15 a day, which sounds like nothing now, but that's actually really good then. Um, there was some risk involved, though. Uh, stills were unreliable, and sometimes they exploded. <laughs> so <laughs> That's quite a risk. Yes. So no fun if, if that happened to you. But as long as that didn't happen and you didn't get caught, uh, you made some pretty good money for these guys. Well, Angelo, leader of the group, he sees his name in, in the Chicago newspapers as early as March 8, 1921. He's named as a suspect in the death of Paul Labriola. Paul Labriola is a precinct captain, and he sort of works for local alderman John Powers. Now, back in these days, uh, being a Chicago alderman is a big deal. I think I mentioned this previously. Like They're yep. kind of like mini-mayors. I mean, they were... It could get violent. I mean, people would literally fight for these positions. Yeah, this guy who's like the right-hand man to the alderman gets killed, and Angelo Jenna is named as a suspect. The murder scene is politically motivated, of course, and the rival political camp is blamed. The rival camp uh, is run by a man named Anthony D'Andrea, uh, who wants that alderman spot, and the Jennas like him better. So they're like, oh, the Jennas probably killed Kill this guy. to yeah. get him into office. Uh, a little time goes by. Jenna gangsters Samuts Amatuna and Frank Gambino are picked up and indicted for their part in the murder. Uh, a little bit later, Angelo himself is actually picked up. Months after he's named in the papers, they finally pick him up. And once he's picked up, the other two guys are set free for lack of proof. While Angelo is waiting to see how things go, the guy they're backing for Alderman is shot and killed. Well, that's ironic. Yeah. Retaliation, I'm yep. guessing. Yep, suspected to be in revenge for the uh, previous murder. As with most of the murders, it is never solved. Uh, after the fact, Angelo is acquitted on the murder charge for the original guy. Which is what happens in Chicago in this era. Right. They just all get acquitted. They just, <laughs> if they get caught at all, they get acquitted. Yeah. <laughs> so this whole thing, it's it's done. One one group is acquitted and the other guy's killed, so there's no longer 
this uh, this battle. It's over. Uh, brother James Jenna is arrested for the murder of Nicola Adamo. Adamo had told his wife that if anything should happen to him, James Jenna would have a hand in it. He's able to provide an alibi, and he is released. Next, Angelo is picked up again for a murder, this time of Paul Naughty. It is believed that Jenna killed Naughty in revenge for yet another guy's murder, <laughs> uh, which isn't even in this story. Jenna is arrested, and at the time, he had $700 on him. And I did the math on that. $700 in the 1920s is as much as $10,000. Wow. Which, first of all, that's some crazy inflation. <laughs> um, but second of all, who the who, hell has yeah. $10,000 <laughs> Who's carrying $10,000 on it? Yep, Angelo is then set free by the judge for lack of evidence. The guy who was killed named Jenna as his murderer on his deathbed. But at autopsy, it was found out that he was on drugs at the time. So he wasn't very reliable. <laughs> Wow. So they threw that out. Now we get to the Milwaukee part of this story. 15-year-old Genevieve Court of Chicago is found in a Milwaukee boarding house. Brothers Henry and Peter Penna, Penna's not to be confused with Jenna's, (laughs) as well as Philip Meltese had brought her to Milwaukee from Chicago several weeks prior in order to prevent her from testifying against them in an assault case. And assault in this uh, instance is sort of like a euphemism. Um, This is not like they hit her. This is they were using her for as a prostitute. I don't know know a nice way of saying it. But they had basically kidnapped this 15-year-old girl to use as a A prostitute. prostitute. So then they hit her out in Milwaukee where they were probably still trying to do that with her. These guys are indicted uh, for bringing her across state lines. Uh, Peter Penna is sentenced to one year in jail and fined $1,000, causing the mother of the girl to cry out in court, not enough, and she rushed to attack him before being held back by the bailiffs. While the other kidnappers, the other two guys, are awaiting trial, the girl is threatened yet again, this time by Angelo Jenna. He advised her not to testify. Now, Jenna was influential in all the wrong ways, uh, which, not surprising, he's a a powerful gangster. Uh, Two Chicago police officers are told to arrest him for threatening a witness. They both tell their boss and the press they are not going to arrest him because they're afraid of what will happen to them (laughs) if they try to arrest It takes a few tries before they finally get somebody who will actually go and pick him up. But when they do, Jen ends up getting convicted by federal judge James Wilkerson of intimidating a witness, and he's sentenced to one year and one day. In Leavenworth. Judge Wilkerson later gets to become somewhat famous because he's the judge who will sentence Al Capone for tax evasion. Following the court's decision, the local police chief holds a banquet for everybody who was involved in Jenna's conviction, from the police officers to the judge to the attorney, everybody. So they throw a big party. That's how glad they are to get this guy We finally got one of these guys. Yeah, <laughs> we got him. So they have a big party. Um, while in prison... One of the kidnappers, Philip Maltese, is a model prisoner. He actually gets out a little bit early because of his good behavior. But he soon goes back to prison because as soon as he gets out, he kills a guy. (laughs) Of course. Uh, Angelo Jenna is actually a terrible prisoner. Uh, He's going stir-crazy in confinement. It turns out that he apparently was a morphine addict. So when he's locked up, he's going through withdrawal. He starts scratching up the walls. Um, he gives $150 to another prisoner to smuggle in some morphine for him. And again, I didn't do the math this time, but 150 is pretty good. A lot of morphine, change. probably. Yeah. 
he gets caught. He gets put in the hole. And while in the hole, he writes a letter to the warden in solitary confinement threatening the warden, which is, you know, not a good idea. Uh, he does get some money while in there. A lot of these prisoners, you know, they, they make a few cents here and there doing odd jobs. And according to his prison record, Jenna used most of the money that he made to purchase a regular supply of silk underpants. <laughs> so... A lot of these other guys, you know, are buying cigarettes or, you know, an extra dessert or something. But, but he likes his fancy underpants. So when, when, you, when you find this in prison records, I yeah. assume this came from a prison record. Yeah, it came from the Leavenworth prison record. Yeah. Like, like, what goes through your head when you first discover that, why is this guy buying, wanting silk underpants? Like, well, I mean, I think it's funny. <laughs> That's... But, you know, maybe it's not as funny as, as I think it is. Maybe prison jumpsuits are just that uncomfortable that, you know, maybe having nice underpants, maybe that helps. I don't know. Yeah. I, it's, it might not be as crazy as it sounds. But but to me, when I hear that, I'm like, wow, that's you are really still trying to live the life, man. <laughs> like, even in prison, like, that's your first thought is I got to get my silk. Silk under. Yeah. You can't take my silk undies away from me. Yeah, so... <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe that's not as weird as I think, but but I can tell you that based off the prison records I've seen, that's not a common. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, the question remains, did the Milwaukee Mafia know that these guys were hiding out a girl in Milwaukee? Now, I don't know. Uh, nowhere does the Milwaukee mob come up in any of these records, but it seems to me that they brought this girl into Milwaukee, they put her in a boarding house, Somebody would have to stay there with her so she doesn't run away. Uh, this would bring on some serious, you know, police presence, I would think. You know, usually kidnapping underage girls to force them into prostitution, mm-hmm. kind of frowned upon. So you wouldn't want to do that in another, you know, mob gang's territory without their permission. So I kind of wonder if there was some coordination there, but the records don't exist, so I don't know. And you can find nothing at all to tie Make you believe that no. these people have some sort of tie to somebody else in the Milwaukee Mafia either? No, not really. And it's it's weird. Again, this might be one of those things where there's a record that's still... Most of these records, you know, they don't, they don't exist. But the, maybe there's still a record out there. What I would love to know at the very least was who owned the boarding house. I think that would be like a big key. Um, but I don't know that, and I don't because I don't have the address. I can't even look that up. So. Yeah, and I suppose that there is a possibility that one of the brothel owners in mm-hmm. Milwaukee could have been paying or doing something with these people to get them to bring girls right. up to his to, to their brothel. Right, and that's the piece that's missing here because yeah, the the way the newspaper reports it, it's a boarding house. But yes, I ex- you're making the point exactly. It's probably not a boarding house. Yeah. It's probably something worse. Yeah, and I can't imagine that they... I mean, it only makes sense that they're doing something in Milwaukee because mm-hmm. they're not going to come up to Milwaukee, bring this girl back to Chicago every week, night, or whatever to do her work. They have to be right doing something with her in Milwaukee itself. Right, and also it's not very smart uh, from a legal point of view. If they were... If they had to hide out... And they hit out in Rockford instead of Milwaukee. It'd be better for them legally, because the reason that they ended up in Leavenworth Prison is by crossing state lines. Okay, it becomes a federal issue. Gotcha. So 
they could have maybe just ended up in a Chicago jail for a year. But once they cross that state line, it becomes federal and they go to Leavenworth. So uh, it's and they had to know that. So it, it wasn't really a very smart move. I mean, they were part. killing people left and right. They yeah. must have had some knowledge of the law, right? Right. But I was saying, like, that's, allegedly that's, killing people. Right. And that's kind of the thing. Like, a lot of these guys, it's a big deal to them if they can go, if they're going to go to prison, to be in prison closer to home. Because obviously you're going to get more visitors and, and, and you know, pr- privileges with your attorney, things like that. If you're in Chicago, then if you're in Kansas. This, yeah. How often does your attorney feel like driving to Kansas? Kansas? Yeah, there's. I feel like there's definitely something more going on here, but I don't have that missing piece. Would be really interesting to know. It's got to be frustrating to have to look at all these unknown questions that you're like, yeah. man, couldn't yeah. somebody just give me a, you know, time capsule to go back and get these few answers so I can just tie it all yeah, together? Maybe it's, maybe it's still out there. I don't know. Well, after this incident, uh, the Jenner brothers started getting it from all sides. Uh, Many people in the Sicilian criminal community feel that they have too much power and wealth. They're sick of them getting big and not sharing it. Uh, Some people are happy to see them go. And they say, hey, you know, when's our chance? When do we get to be the big thing in town? Uh, Some of the members actually even leave. They sort of uh, go over to the Capone side of things. And, And I did not make this very clear up to now, but... The Jennas and the Capones are on, not on the on the same side. They are not friends. Okay. Two very different gangs. So the Jenner brothers are the gang that inevitably Capone takes down yes. later on in yes. time. Okay. Yes. Like we talked about that in a previous episode with the uh Yeah. Musicians House and yes. they going to have the peace treaty talk. Yeah, at this at this point we're still like early to mid nineteen twenties and at this point there's still Maybe half a dozen gangs in Chicago. Capone hasn't fully taken mm. over yet. You know, I don't know if, if at this point it was inevitable, but you know, looking back now, obviously it yes. is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Angelo Jenna, after he's out of prison, he gets married to Lucille Spingola, and the name Spingola, if you were paying attention, came up earlier because they were already living. The families were living in the same house together, so they already knew each other for a long time. Uh, they had a huge wedding ceremony. They had a reception with 3,000 guests. Wow. And a large wedding cake weighing almost 2,000 pounds. And I think a lot of this stuff is exaggerated, but there is actually a photo of this wedding cake. And this is no joke. This is like a 10-foot tall wedding cake. That's just disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> well, it doesn't last long. Not long after they're married, uh, Angelo is out riding in his car. When another car gains speed on him, he recognizes the occupants, and he steps on the gas trying to escape. Inside the car is allegedly, and I say allegedly because they're not caught, Bugs Moran, Schemer Drucci, and Jaime Weiss. These are another, this is separate again from the Capone group, a whole other gang of guys. They pull up alongside them, they're armed to the teeth, they want revenge for the previous murder of Dean O'Banion, their gang member Dean O'Banion who they think the Jennas were responsible for killing. So everybody's killing everybody. I mean, you, if you keep these names straight, good on you. <laughs> uh, they begin firing. Angelo's car hits a pole. And then for good measure, they keep firing over a dozen shots into his body. Amazingly, doesn't die instantly. Wow. So it, does he make it back to the hospital? He does. Wow. He's immediately transported to the hospital and operated on. While he's being operated on, a cop leans over his body and says... 
Angelo, you're going to die. <laughs> um, this would be a good time to tell us who shot you. But uh, Angelo Jenna, I mean, he's a gangster through and through. Okay. And he says, no, I'm not telling you nothing. Uh, that's why I say allegedly. The, the shooters are named, but I have no idea where those names come from because... It's probably it just him. heavy speculation. Yeah. Or... yeah. So a lot of these, especially in Chicago, a lot of these histories like is speculation and exaggeration and... I mean, I don't got the time to clear all that stuff up. I'm just going to have to take the word for some of this stuff. Uh, his wife shows up, and they, they say goodbye to each other. And But by the time his brother Sam arrives, Angelo is dead. An inquest is held. The brothers and the wife all testify, and they have nothing but nice things to say about him. They say, and you'll hear this. This is not the first time you're going to hear this. Angelo had no enemies, and he was loved by everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, which... Uh, is obviously crap. But <laughs> my husband killed everybody that didn't like him. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, well, first of all, if you're being chased out of your car and shot to death, you probably had enemies. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think anybody believed this story because he was kind of a high profile figure. Police found a little black book that uh, had some alcohol transactions in it, but they didn't lead them anywhere. And his wife said she didn't know anything about it, which. Honestly, it's probably true. His funeral is just huge. Hundreds of people attend. His funeral spared no expense and was intended to make Dean O'Banion, the rival gang's funeral, look small. Again, these numbers, I feel are an exaggeration, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you the way they were reported. Angelo was laid out in a massive $6,000 bronze casket, which I didn't do the, the math, but you can imagine. <laughs> yeah which weighs over a thousand pounds and it was surrounded by over $75,000 worth of flowers, which again, not doing the math, but I mean, it's gotta be like a million dollars. in flowers. Like, is that even believable? I don't know. What does that even look like? I don't know. <laughs> um, Al Capone sent lilies, uh, a man named Diamond Joe sent peonies, uh, John Torrio, who was in jail at the time, still bothered to send uh, some carnations. And there were other floral tributes. It's kind of the weird thing about Chicago funerals. Even when somebody who was like in the rival gang dies, and even if you may have been involved in killing them... You still send some sort of... You still send flowers. Yeah. 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 I was just going to ask about that. Yeah, it's really weird, but that's like a... A thing that they would do is they'd be like, oh, I'll help pay for the funeral or oh, I'll, I'll throw in a gift. It's really weird. <laughs> and, the you know, the guys responsible oftentimes show up at the funeral, which seems in really poor taste, but that was pretty common. But no one knows it, and they're not going to get convicted. Right. So. so then on top of all this, on the way from the funeral to the cemetery, they have the hearse carrying the, you know, the casket. And behind that, in the funeral procession, are 31 limousines. That seems a little extreme. A little but... extreme. Um, is it true? I don't know. Again, that's just how it was reported. Maybe it was true, but that's quite a parade. Not long after this, this is this is things all go downhill for the Jennas at this point. Mike Jenna, brother Mike Jenna, is killed uh, by a police officer while he and two other guys are in a shootout with the police, and they shoot and kill two police officers. Uh, so they kill two police officers. One of the police kills Mike Jenna. Uh, you know, that's fair. <laughs> Probably shouldn't shoot at the police. 
Mike Jenner's funeral is quick and quiet, uh, unlike his brother, because after you've just killed two policemen, it's not really a great idea to put on a big showcase about it. And nobody really wants to show up because (laughs) obviously the police, not that they weren't watching the last one, but they're definitely going to be watching watching this this one. one, Yeah. Yeah. Now, long after this, brother Tony Jenna is killed. He's on Grand Avenue. He's seen meeting with a man who shakes his hand. And while shaking his hand, two other people step out of the shadows and fire into him. He's rushed to the hospital. He lingers long enough where brother Sam, apparently Sam is the guy who always shows up at the last minute. He tells Sam that he was uh, lured to the death spot by a man named Il Cavallero, which is the Cavalier. Now, I don't know if anybody else knew, but apparently Sam knew who this was. The Cavalier was the nickname of Tony's bodyguard, Antonio Spano. So they now knew that his bodyguard had double-crossed him. Sam Jenner goes to the morgue to claim his brother's body. Again, the funeral is modest and pretty quiet. There's no pallbearers. No women show up to cry. Only two floral pieces are there, one of which is from a relative and the other is from his brother. A casket is placed in the vault. So after Angelo's massive funeral, like these are all just sort of the most simple possible things. It almost sounds like somebody is out there trying to take out this gang. Oh, yeah. At this point. Yeah. Like, like these are not just random killings. That they're, they're, this is, There's somebody taking down this gang. I think that's pretty spot on. To add insult to all this, the local cardinal uh, of the Catholic Church would not allow them to even have a funeral because Tony was declared to be unfit for a Catholic ceremony. Apparently, up to this point, they were okay with it. But... <laughs> But but now they're like now we draw the line. No, we got to stop having these priests show up for you guys are going around killing everybody. It's probably not okay. <laughs> well, so James Jenna, we're down. We only got a couple brothers left. James Jenna, at this point, he's like, I'm done with Chicago. This is a mess. He goes back to Italy, but it doesn't work out so good for him. He's arrested in Rome for trying to steal jewels from a church. Not not great. <laughs> Uh, he ends up doing a couple years of hard labor before he's released. In the meantime, while he's in jail, Henry Spingola, a wealthy Sicilian, and this would be the brother of Angelo's wife. Gotcha. He's now killed. And the reason he's killed is because he refuses to pay any defense money for the two guys who shot the police officers. He's like, I'm not paying for you guys. You guys were shooting the police. <laughs> so because he didn't pay, they end up, they kill him. It takes a little while, but it, but not long after this now, the next person who's killed is Antonio Spano, the Cavalier. He's killed, uh, obviously, because he double-crossed Tony Jenna. So I don't know how he got away with this for, looks like a year. He was walking without getting a shot at. So good for him for that year. Yeah. I bet you it wasn't a fun year for him. Probably he was probably year. watching over his shoulder at every turn. A little bit of time goes by. Lucille, Angelo's uh, wife, or I guess ex-wife, because he's dead. Uh, her and her family are robbed at gunpoint by three bandits. She is tricked by one of the bandits, claiming that they have a real estate proposition. So they, they're let in the house. Lucille, her father, and a sister are forced into a closet while the bandits make up with clothing and jewelry. The jewelry jewelry is said to be worth $8,000, which again, is, I feel it's got to be an yeah. exaggeration. But either way, that's how it's reported. James Jenna returns to Chicago from Italy. He says, okay, all right, 
Italy didn't work out so good for me. I'll come <laughs> back to Chicago. I'm gonna get back into the whole gangster thing. We're gonna we're gonna get this group back together. No. <laughs> not gonna happen he's riding in his car with a couple other guys another car pulls up alongside them shoots some shotgun shot uh shells into the well, you know shotgun blast into the car uh kills another guy in the car wounds two other guys uh james actually survives this amazingly enough but he's like okay chicago was a bad idea <laughs> <laughs> clearly not moving back to chicago <laughs> Uh, he ends up leaving town, and he moves to, to Calumet City, which, if you don't know where Calumet City is, it's a little bit south of Chicago, kind of on the Indiana border. Not even a year later, or maybe a year later, um, James ends up dying anyway of heart disease, so it didn't really matter. So one of them didn't get murdered. A couple of them didn't get murdered. Oh, a couple of them didn't get murdered, okay. James pulls through. Peter Jenna also makes it to age 67. Peter apparently was one of the better ones, because you never really hear his name come up in this. And then finally, Sam Jenna also makes it to age 67 and dies of a heart attack. So the, the two guys make it to 67, and that in the Jenna family is old age. <laughs> yeah. so, crazy story. I mean, like, these guys, they, they rise to the top here. They're like the biggest Sicilian gang in Chicago, which that's saying something. And then, yeah, it's like domino, one after another. You know, Everybody in the gang is taken out where there's practically nobody left. That is crazy. Yeah. So, uh, Milwaukee, terrible place. Chicago, even worse. <laughs> uh, well, based on this story, I would just say Chicago is probably quite a bit more terrible. Quite a bit more terrible, but yeah, especially during the, the 20s, during the Prohibition time. Because yeah, when Milwaukee has the benefit where there really is just the one gang. So, they're, they're not killing each other as, as much. much. Yeah. But in Chicago, you've got, you've got the Sicilian gang, you've got an Irish gang. You got a Jewish gang. You got Capone's gang, which Capone is. What really works for Capone is he'll work with anybody. He doesn't care. Like he's he's not Sicilian. He's not Jewish. He's not anything. He's he's for people who want to know. He's Neapolitan, which means like his family's from Naples, like in northern. Well, not even northern, like sort of central Italy. So not anywhere near Sicily. So he's not any part of the the typical mob stuff he just happens to be an italian who's really good at the crime stuff yeah so that's what makes him so great is he's like i don't care what you are whereas all these other guys are like (laughs) if you can help me i'm gonna work with you (laughs) right right so did he drop like rules of having to be italian or was it still you had to be italian but you know well he didn't really have to drop the rules because he wasn't working in that system what do you mean? Well, he's not he's not in the mafia, Capone. Oh, he's not even he, technically he wasn't the mafia per no, se. No, 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 no. Oh, see, I I know so little. Huh? No, see like the Jennas would be like the mafia yeah. guys. Okay. So Capone is like on the other side and he's like he's like I'm not and he ends up the mafia ends up working with him eventually because they don't really have a choice. Okay. When he becomes like the guy in Chicago, it's like well, we either have to work with him or we have to just not do anything in Chicago. And that's not realistic. So he ends up becoming, you know, the guy. And there, and some of the mafia guys in Chicago end up you know, sort of kind of like siding with Capone. And so there's always that, that mafia element. But Chicago stays that way um, for most of its history. They, they don't call it the Chicago Mafia. They call it the Chicago Outfit. 
And the reason that they, well, maybe that's not the reason, but one of the definitely, I think the reasons is, is it's not Sicilian. There's a lot of Sicilians in it, but they don't care. I mean, they've got uh, Jewish people. They got a guy who's Welsh. They got Germans. Um, they even have a Japanese guy. I, like, they don't care. So it was basically just a big crime organization. It, yeah. it, it had nothing to do with race or anything like that. It yeah. just had to do with, hey, we're going to make a bunch of money breaking the law. Yeah. So, <laughs> so. so Chicago is like really unique in that way, whereas um, eventually there's somewhere between 24 and 26 mafia families in the country. And all of them except Chicago are like these traditional rules. But Chicago, there is some of that because, like I said, there's still these mafia guys affiliated with it. But they don't care. Like some of the top guys in Chicago were not Sicilian. Like they did not care. And if, I th- if you were good with business, if you were good with numbers, if you could make money, that's what they cared. And I think we talked about this in a in a previous episode. But just remind me, a good possibility, the reason why this never happened in Milwaukee, Milwaukee, because there was really not another big gang per se in Milwaukee. Like there wasn't really the opportunity for a Capone type character to come in and turn, make all these groups work together Mm -hmm. because really the only group in Milwaukee was the mafia. Yes. For the most part. Yes. I mean, I'm sure there was other small gangs per se but they were nothing that was of anywhere near the capacity of the mafia in right. milwaukee yeah. yeah milwaukee's interesting in that way in that um there really is just the one group i mean yes i'm sure there are little gangs that rise up here and there because i mean any city big or small has gangs of course but really there only is the one major group i mean eventually down the line um, you know, you're going to get your inner city stuff where you're going to get your Latino or your black gangs or whatever. But that wasn't really a thing in the early days. So for maybe the first 50 years, yeah, it's pretty much just you're you're either in the Italian gang or you're not really in a gang at all. No. Interesting. All right. So to, that concludes this one. That's it for the Jennas. They are going to come up a little bit next week, but that's I mean, that's. I don't know. That's pretty much the rise and fall of the Jenna family. Yeah, I was going to say that most of them are dead, so I don't well, know. Well, they're, they're still going to be dead. But, <laughs> but, but I just said, they're going to they're be referenced. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, then hit them up with some contact info, yeah. Gavin. Yeah, the website is MilwaukeeMafia.com. The email is MilwaukeeMafia at gmail.com. And um, for some reason, people still mostly reach out to me through Facebook and if, if you're one of those people, um, actually, the same thing is there. You, if you went to Facebook.com slash Milwaukee Mafia, you would go to my author page. So really, any you type in Milwaukee Mafia, you're probably going to find me. I hope you rule that search term on Google. I, I can't imagine anybody, anybody else, else does. I've really cornered the market <laughs> on that one. And I think it would be a good time for us to talk, just touch briefly on, we are working on a new podcast, which we're going to record the first episode for yes. in the next. Um, the podcast is going to be about our local area, yep. which is a small community in central Wisconsin. Well, not central Wisconsin. Well, what what would you define it Northeast as? Northeast Wisconsin. Northeast. Okay. Northeast. I'm sorry. I don't even know where I live. 
So Central Wisconsin's like Stevens Point or something. That's pretty close to here. In, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but so um, we're gonna call it Fox City's Murder and Mayhem, and we're just gonna it's gonna be a biweekly podcast, and we're gonna take a look at different murders mm-hmm. that have happened in this area. Yeah, maybe so, some other crimes too. Yeah. Yeah, murders and other crimes. I'm sorry. Yeah, murders and mayhem. Mayhem yes. is other crimes. Yeah, yeah. we're, so, we're going to use mayhem loosely, but yes. So once we get closer to dropping the first episode of that, I think we'll drop a little thing in the feed just to let you know that it's yeah, out. We'll let where people you can... know. But yeah, if you if you listen this far into this episode, uh, apparently you don't mind hearing us ramble for a while. <laughs> so if you want to hear us ramble about another part of Wisconsin, uh, this will be perfect because it's. It's the same thing, just a different area. Yeah. So, wait. Hopefully, you'll check that out when it comes out, and we'll see you next week on another episode. Thanks a lot. Have a good night. Thanks for tuning in to the Milwaukee Mafia Podcast. Join us next week for another look back at Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history.